Good morning, church. Um, my name is Lexi, and I have the privilege of welcoming you to church this morning. Whether it is your first time here because you're visiting from homecoming, or if you are a regular attender, or you just stumbled into homecoming weekend and it happens to be your first time, we're happy you're here. Um, our mission around here is to lift up Christ, and we are excited to be a place that gets to do that in a variety of things that we do around here, whether it's through singing worship songs together through the prayers that we pray, the scripture that we read. Um, it is such a special place to do that, and I am so excited to be a part of a team that does it in everything that we do. Um, I'm going to pray us in, and then we'll get started with our worship service, and we'll continue the rest of our morning. God, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to be in your presence to be a place that is called to do your work and to love the people in our communities, the people within these walls. And that is a call that doesn't stay in this place, that it is one that beckons us out and calls us to go deeper into other people's lives and the work that we do. I'm grateful that we get to do this alongside each other and in a place that is safe and welcoming and a place that is one that encourages us to be better than when we first came in. We ask this in your holy and precious name. Amen. Good morning, First Church family. We would love it if you're willing and able. If you could stand and worship with us, we would absolutely love it. shepherd that carried us home. When we were prodigals, you ran to meet us with open arms. And we can't hold back our praise. When we were refugees, you were the one that took us in.
Reading this morning from Psalms 119, 33 through 40. Teach me, Lord, the way of your decrees that I, may, that I may follow to the end. Give me understanding so that I might keep your law and obey it with my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Turn my heart toward your statutes and not toward selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things and preserve my life according to your, according to your word. Fulfill your promise to your servants so that you may be feared. Take away the disgrace I dread, for your laws are good. How I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, preserve my life.
us and our hope in you, Lord. Praise to the Lord who does prosper God with the knowledge that comes from Paul in 1 Corinthians 3. For no one can lay any other foundation than the one we already have in Jesus Christ. Take a moment in your hearts and your minds to be thankful for the ways in which Jesus has been with you. Let us come together in prayer. Lord, we thank you in our strength and we thank you in our weakness. And that you accept us in both of those ways. 
for far too long we have lived this life understanding that we are able to take it all in on our own. That if we read the right things, if we consume the right things and learn everything that we can, then we can figure out the formula to live life the right way. And Lord, we totally just miss out on the simplicity of what you offer us in your rest, in your grace that follows us. We take in anything that looks as if it is shiny enough and beautiful enough to give us what we need, but we have yet to seek the eternal. We have yet to seek the consistency of your love and grace. So Lord, today we come with open hearts to trust and put our hope in you. Every 
follow this practice of passing the peace of Christ to one another, to say to those, may the peace of the Lord Christ be with you, and you in return say, and also with you. May you go and pass the peace of Christ. everybody. Great to be with all of you again this morning. You guys, the left side of the room is very chattery today. Congrats to the right side. Keeping it tight, wrapped up yeah. very quickly. I love it. Thank you. Uh, no, I, I wish passing of the peace was the entire church service sometimes, um, but we'll have time to chat and hang out, invite you to stay after service and do all, all the chatting that you want to do. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Tyler. I'm the director of communications here at San Diego First Church, and it's just great to be spending another Sunday um, in here with all of you uh, worshiping together, whether this is your first Sunday here, maybe you're visiting uh, campus for the PLNU homecoming this weekend, or you could be uh, attending this church uh, for years and years and years. We're just so glad to be with all of you this morning. Uh, this is the point in our service where we get to pray over our kids and our teens as they are dismissed to their children's church and teen Bible study programming that happens during this hour. Um, and as we dismiss them, uh, we read this prayer out loud over them from Philippians. Um, if you'd like to just extend a hand or bow your head, whatever posture feels appropriate to you, um, as we read this prayer out loud over our children and our teens. This is my prayer for you, our children, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best. May you be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. See you, kids. See you, teens. Uh, now I get to let you all know about a few exciting things that are happening in the life of our church coming up very soon. But before I jump into those things, as always, um, our online check-in form, there's a QR code on the very front of your bulletin. It'll also be up on screen for the next... Mm, 20 seconds or so. Uh, so if you want to pull out your smartphone, point your camera at that, um, a, a little link will pop up to a short Google form. This is just an easy way to let us know your name, if there's a change uh, to your contact info, or you want to add your contact info to be added to our mailing list. We have a weekly newsletter that goes out every Friday afternoon that has more info about things that are happening in the life of our church. Uh, contact uh, this contact form also is a great way to submit your prayer requests for us to review uh, as a church staff. So just a really easy way to get in touch with us if you will take the time to fill out that form at some point this morning. And now on to all the fun stuff happening. Um, 
this Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, and so uh, in place of our usual uh, adult programming that takes place on Wednesday nights around here, our Ash Wednesday service will be held at 6.30, starting at 6.30 over in the Ellipse Chapel. So Wednesdays will kind of happen as per usual around here. We start with serving dinner in the Friendship Plaza at 5.30. Uh, there's plates available for both 5 and $7. And then typically we have programming that takes place after that dinner for kids and teens that will still be taking place this week and then also programming for adults like our adult you classes and our choir rehearsals but in place of those two things for this week we invite you to come and attend our ash wednesday service and our youth group and our teens specifically play a very important part in helping us with that service and they will be attending that service with us as well so it's a great way for us to engage intergenerationally in the ancient church practice and observation of ash wednesday so we'll hope you'll plan uh, to join us this wednesday at 6 30 for that over in the ellipse chapel uh, starting next week, with Ash Wednesday kicking off the season of Lent in the Christian uh, church calendar, uh, our tradition around here is to have a season of prayer during those six weeks of Lent. And so that uh, is not croquet. It's actually several Wednesday night classes that are focused on different different topics and types of prayer um, that are led by different members of our church community. So the schedule's up here on the screen. It's also listed in your bulletin. And these classes take place for the six Wednesdays that span between Ash Wednesday and Easter. And we hope uh, that you'll come and join us on a Wednesday night and sit in on one or more of these classes. That sounds interesting to you as we reflect and look to expand and learn more about what prayer practice can look like in our lives. Now, Dee's favorite announcement, our men's second annual croquet tournament is coming up very soon on March 11th. This is a full day of play with croquet, uh, with Dee, who, if you don't know, is a formerly internationally ranked croquet player, is also very good at teaching the sport to people that don't know how to play. I've been uh, the subject of numerous <laughs> uh, coaching attempts. Um, don't take my success for the quality of his coaching. That's like a separate issue. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but invite uh, all, all the men in the congregation, if you want to come out and join Dee for a day of croquet over in Shelter Island, uh, you can send him an email or talk to him after church. He'd love to give you more info and maybe a few um, tips in advance for how to prepare for that sport. So. And then uh, we have a couple women's events coming up as well, starting off with our SoCal Nazarene District Women's Conference. is being held super close to our church over in the Liberty Station Conference Center, but it's for, uh, for women throughout Nazarene Church all over Southern California. So it's a rather large event, and registration for that is open on the district website. So that's SoCalNaz.org, and you can find more information about this women's conference that has a special guest speaker and several workshops and things that you can attend throughout the weekend. Uh, so if you want to head to SoCalNaz.org and learn more about that event, invite you to do so. And then locally around this church, Shannon Heffernan is once again leading our effort to plan our spring tea, which is a wonderful event that gets put on. I mean, you should see how she transforms the Ellipse Chapel into uh, a beautiful setting for women to gather and fellowship over tea and treats. And, uh, and this year also inviting a special guest speaker to come and uh, we get to learn from her as well. So uh, the Women's Conference registration is also available on our church website. That's sdfcnaz.org um, under our upcoming events if you want to go on there to learn more and to register for that event as well. At this point, I'm going to turn it over to uh, our choir as they continue to lead us in worship this morning. Thanks for being here.
I'm reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11 and 16 through 23. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. And you are of Christ and Christ is of God. The word of the Lord. Good morning to everyone. My name is Dee, and I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and what a privilege it is to be with you. For those of you who are guests this morning, um, we hope that every time you're in the area, we are your home away from home. For those of you who are regulars here, you know we've been on a journey together through uh, Corinthians, and we've not gotten very far. We're only in the third um, chapter of 1 Corinthians, and Becky's reading just takes us a little bit further into what Paul is trying to accomplish here in this particular passage. And so we're going to dig into this. I do want to uh, acknowledge, though, at the beginning of this that Daryl's reading of Psalm 119, well, not the whole psalm, that would take us all day. That's a rather long psalm, but the portion 33 through 40 begins with something that I would love for us to begin with. In fact, it's something I wish I always began every day with, and I'm just not sure I'm that smart to do this, but it seems like the wise thing to do. That verse 33 begins with, teach us, O Lord. What a great way to start. I mean, I, I love the many teachers that are in this crowd, and some of you have chosen that as a, a lifelong vocation, and God bless you, that's fantastic. Um, and I love learning from you, and even those who aren't teachers, we're in community of faith together, and we learn from one another, and your experiences and your words and uh, the things you teach me just by living out your faith is wonderful. 
But it all begins with saying, oh, Lord, make me a student. Teach me, oh, Lord. And that's how that uh, fifth stanza of Psalm 119 begins. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Psalm 119, each letter of the Hebrew alphabet um, begins each section of Psalm 119. It's rather a long song, psalm and a song. Um, but it is all about the words, precepts, commandments of God. And so this section 33 to 40 is the fifth letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and it begins with that letter and then talks about the commandments, the precepts of the Lord. But I'll say it one more time. May this morning be filled with God teaching us. I pray I don't get too much in the way of what God is at work doing. And that in spite of around me or maybe in some moment through me, there might be something that we learn out of God's word this morning. This passage comes on the heels of last week's teaching. Mark Maddox did such a marvelous job of unfolding a very thick passage at the beginning of chapter 3. And he made reference to several metaphors that are used, a metaphor of um, the the foods that are eaten, the um, milk versus the meat or spiritual food. Um, talked about the flesh versus the spirit, and then talked using a building metaphor. Well, it's that building metaphor that starts this passage where Paul is saying he built a strong foundation and others are going to build on top of that strong foundation. So this building metaphor continues into what we're looking at this morning. But the language that he's using, really, it links so... It doesn't seem like it's coincidence at all. So well to some of the Old Testament passages particularly those that have to do with building the temple. But stay with me for a moment if we go even further back than that. Because the notion of tabernacle or dwelling place, we find throughout Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament. It's one of those things that is woven in and out like a, like a thread that just keeps showing itself throughout the tapestry. The dwelling place of God and the desire of God that the dwelling place of God's Spirit be with us. I mean, it begins at the very beginning in Genesis, chapter 2. The people are in the garden that God has prepared. The reference in chapter 3 to the Garden of Eden. This place with all of the plants and the animals and the beauty of creation, kind of a microcosm of all that God has done and places the people in that particular location. And it appears that it is for the purpose that God can walk together with them in the garden. To dwell together. As if God is saying... To those in the garden, I want to dwell with you, live with you, be with you, fellowship with you, interact, love, 
care for together. Things didn't go too well. And so we have this fall that takes place, and then chapter and chapter and chapter and book and book and book and writer and writer and writer that talk about this restoration of God's dwelling place with us. We find very clearly in Exodus, in the chapters that lead up to chapter 40, 36, 37, 38, 39, and 40, this, this description of the tabernacle that's going to be built in the desert because the Israelites have escaped captivity out of Egypt. They're trying to make their way to the promised land, and it's taken a lot longer than anybody expected. But near the beginning of this, God gives instructions to Moses, and these instructions include, I would like you to build a tent of meeting, a tabernacle, where I will dwell in the middle of all of the people. There's a certain organization of how all of the people, all of the tribes line up and where their tents are going to be. And in the middle of all of this is the tabernacle of God. There's a wonderful description. We'll come back to it in a few moments, but in these chapters of all of the particular things that need to be done. But we find as well, if we move into 1 Kings chapter 7, 8, and 9, we will find the temple of Solomon, that it moves from this tent, this mobile church, to a permanent location. And Solomon builds this beautiful, sacred, extravagant, in so many ways, permanent dwelling place, Solomon's temple, for the people to worship. A place where God abides and a place where the people gather so that God might dwell with the people. Well, this didn't last real long. And so we have chapters and chapters and chapters and writers and writers and writers who talk about the restoration to which we are hoping we will arrive at some point in the future. And then we come to the New Testament where the Messiah, the Christ, comes. And the Christ opens up a pathway for something that is so radically new. Makes possible God's Spirit to not be contained in a tent or a temple but be contained in the people. And the language here is so beautiful. It includes the, the you in relationship with God, and it also includes you as the faith community housing the Spirit of God. That this is how God's love and Spirit get displayed by how we treat one another crescendos in Revelation when Christ returns and there's a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem and God's presence is experienced throughout creation. But our invitation is to experience God in all of creation 
until that time comes, that we might be an avenue through which God's Spirit is seen. What might that look like? What do we look like as God's temple? I know this feels like just a hard turn left real fast, but we had a garage sale yesterday. <laughs> I don't know if you ever had a yard sale. It wasn't a garage sale. I couldn't get into the garage to get all those things sold. We got all the stuff out into the yard. Yard sale. Um, wouldn't have happened, couldn't have done it without my daughter's assistance, and so we depended completely on her ability to make these things work. And she marvelously put together all of the things. Our house was chaotic for um, close to a month, three weeks, as everything came out of every nook and cranny and filled the living room and trying to get organized there before everything got moved out into the yard. Yard sales are fascinating. I don't know if you've done one recently. They're not easy. It's amazing families stay together through a yard sale. But she's here, and I'm grateful. We're still friends and family. It's hard for quite a few reasons. One is that in some ways you're selling memories. And there's no one who cares about buying a memory. <laughs> so your notion of what something is worth is about at least 10 times more than it's actually worth because your memories mean that much. I mean, there are other things you don't mind putting a quarter on. I get that. In fact, I think one of the great moments of uh, the morning yesterday was this young man, about 30, came through, picking through some things, found what he wanted. I think he was about as excited as anyone yesterday for his singular treasure that cost a quarter. And I, I, I'm not going to tell you the backstory of why we even had it. But we had a, uh, you know, like a pillowcase, the kind you put on a, a pillow on a couch. We had a pillowcase cover that was completely full size, a face of Dr. Phil. And this young man was so excited. I'm sure it was the next white elephant gift party or whatever it was, but he had the winning prize for whatever party he was going to with Dr. Phil's face all over a pillow. One of the classic moments for me was when um, a, a woman had gathered her things together and brought them to purchase and uh, I, I don't exactly remember what the sum total was, but I think it was like $3.75. And her comment was, why don't we just make this $3? Because you know, all this stuff is used. Well, yeah, that's what a garage sale is. Everything is used. And I'm not sure I get your point for 75 cents, but okay, $3 is fine. So, trying to make everybody happy in this, but as I looked out over all the stuff, it did remind me, everybody that comes through now knows a little bit more about us because of all of the things they see on the tables in the yard. And I'm sure there are questions of, ow, oh, why do you have this? What's the story behind this? What? You have one of these? 
because it tells a story. Just like when you invite somebody into your home and they see the things you collect on the shelves and they notice your decorating style or the pictures that are on the wall hanging, who the pictures are of. It tells a little bit of a story about you. So with that in mind, I come back to this building metaphor. What does the tabernacle, if you are the tabernacle, look like, the dwelling place of God? What are the images people take away when they've interacted with you as God's temple? When they see the details, when they get a glimpse at the yard sale of your life's journey, when they've had a chance to be with you for an afternoon or maybe just five minutes or maybe just 30 seconds on an elevator, what does somebody walk away from? And if the thought ever crosses their mind that this is a representation of beliefs and values, principles, experiences, hurts, and joys. How does somebody walk away from that experience, and what do they take away when they walk away from that? This particular passage, it, it speaks about the work that Paul has done to lay a foundation and in so doing, we probably learn more about Paul than we do about the church at Corinth. But we also begin to learn about the makeup of the church at Corinth and some of the things that Paul takes away when he hears about the church at Corinth. Both about specific individuals, which we'll discover as more of this letter unfolds, but also of how they interact as the people of God. I love the Exodus passage, Exodus 40, where it begins to make the list of all of the things that Moses does before the doors are opened for the tent out in the desert. I mean, it's very specific. I mean, there are all, all kinds of things that had to take place before they were ready for the grand opening. They, the skilled workers came and created um, large, large, large curtains, um, 10 of them, and, and they were made with a particular type of double-twisted linen, and there was blue and purple and a scarlet color yarns that were woven into all of that, and somehow into the fabric cherubim images were placed. Five were connected together with a particular type of fringe that was put together, then another five tied together, and then eyelets were put into all the sides of both of those large, large, large pieces and gold clasps to bring those two together. On top of that was placed some goat fur and then some skins of two different types of animals, and then they took some acacia wood and built a frame, and then this goes over top, and before they put the covering, the curtain on the front, 
They begin to prepare the insides with all of the things that are important for the inside, the ark, the ark of the covenant, the lampstands. They had to put the two altars that were there, one the altar of incense and then the altar of sacrifice, and then determine what the area of the courtyard was and what the courtyard area was supposed to look like. And after all of that was set up, then they put the curtain on the front. And before they actually put it to use, there was this process by which cleansing took place. Cleansing of the artifacts or icons that were placed inside, the cleansing of the area, and then the cleansing of the priests. A particular process by which they were cleansed and their garments were cleansed. It was preparation for God's presence. Chapter after chapter after chapter of instructions. I have to confess, sometimes I feel a little, ugh, I don't know what the word is there, it's ugh, at the notion that sometimes I just kind of waltz into prayer. Not even, even thought about that I'm moving into the presence of the Creator. Just throwing prayers up, hoping God catches a few of them. And I, I wonder what that says about my posture toward the sacredness of this endeavor of life. The preparation that went into God's Spirit filling the tabernacle and leading the people where they were to go. Teach us, O Lord. Teach me, O Lord. I am so grateful for God's patience. When I waltz in, giving no concern about whether I feel any sense of cleansing, purifying, before God's presence descends, I will confess God in God's great graciousness. I think steps into those moments. And when my prayer is a prayer of cleanse me, O Lord, God's Spirit begins to work in me and show the parts of my journey that really do need not only a touch of grace for forgiveness, but certainly a touch of cleansing. And then, O oh God, maybe, please, some wisdom on how I might change? Lead me, O oh God, in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Walk me through the valleys. Guide me through the hills. Help my walking to begin to mirror how you created me to be. For I long to be your temple, O Lord, an appropriate dwelling place for your spirit. Thank you for your willingness to have your spirit dwell right in the middle of all of I, who I am. All my fears, apprehensions, arrogance, that you see all of those things 
And when I've invited you to dwell in the midst, your spirit begins to permeate and cleanse and wash and heal and restore and reconcile that I might be yours, that we collectively might be yours. And then as is said here, a really odd wisdom begins to take place. A wisdom that at times doesn't make sense. In fact, very clearly this passage says it's foolishness to some. Foolishness. And I get it. Because when you listen to the wisdom of the gospel, where the last shall be first and the first shall be last, if anyone would be great among you, that person must be servant of all. This all seems so strange. That wealth and fortune not measured in bank accounts, but in relationships and contentedness and peace, that that's the wisdom to which we're invited That the way to abundant life is sacrifice of self? That that which is eternal sometimes and often fights against that which is temporal? A wisdom that draws me into thinking through the heart of God. And as that song that was sung earlier by the choir, I think, though the wrong seems oft so strong, God is still the ruler yet. Because then we come to the end of this passage in a very poignant, eye-opening way. And Paul says this. It's all yours. It's like a repeat of Jesus' word of the prodigal father who says to the elder son, don't you know all I have is yours? And here Paul's just repeating that and saying, don't you know? It's all yours. Open your eyes and begin to see that all God has created, God has left God's fingerprints to be found. And it's all yours to see, to enjoy, to explore. If we will but change the way in which we see and explore. If we'll move from eyes that constantly look at self-aggrandizement and confess the beautiful, grandiose God, creator of all, it's all yours. This, I'm not fighting against here a gospel that speaks about your prosperity, your joy, your hope, an invitation to be God's temple. And so I ask again, in your spiritual journey, your heart, what do the pictures look like on the wall? What are you collecting? Figures that you find on the shelves. What are the memories that you hold? 
And how then does God's Spirit work through those things that you might then be the window through which and the person through whom others see the kingdom of God? Oh, Lord, cleanse us, purify us, invite us, forgive us, hold us. Make the way in which we treat one another and honor one another be a gospel in and of itself. May people walk away from the interactions with the church and with you individually and say, wow, that felt different. The hospitality, the kindness, the hope generated? Where do you get some of that? Shouldn't that be what it feels like when you walk into God's tabernacle? Because God has said, I want to dwell with you and be in you. That's our invitation this morning. Matt, would you come and lead us into prayer and help us get ready for being part of the table of grace? Let us prepare our hearts and minds and bodies for coming to the table of grace. Let's pray. Lord, we confess that we have not always done what you have called us to do. That we have chosen our own ways instead of yours. That we've placed our agenda and our ways of looking at each other rather than taking on your vision, taking on your plans. Lord, we've decorated the walls of our heart with our own image, with our own set of plans, with our own creations. Lord, help us clean our hearts. Lord, purify our intentions, our actions, our words, and the ways that we participate in patterns and systems that seek to keep us enslaved. Lord, we offer all that we are all the places that we inhabit, all the spaces in which we move, we offer it all to you. That we might fully embody your grace and love because you have loved us and you have loved us that others in this world that we encounter on a daily basis that they too might know your love and your grace. that we 
might be known as a people that show your love to all we encounter. Lord, we anticipate all of the ways that you will use us in the ways that we find unimaginable that we might be surprised by. Lord, we anticipate all that you have. So Lord, continue to guide us and shape us in the way of your Son. That we might know even more your love, your faithfulness, your truth in our lives. That we might embody that to all we encounter as an act of worship. We pray all of this in your name. Amen. Here at our church, we, we practice open communion. And as uh, Justin and Shannon play for us, we will have servers here down in the front, and you are welcome to come, receive the elements, take them back to where you're sitting. Now we might take them together. This table that Christ has prepared is a table of love. And you are welcome to come to the table if you love God or if you want to love more. You are welcome to the table if this is a frequent table that you sit at or one that you have not sat at for a while. Christ invites you, if you are a follower of him, or if you want to know how to follow him to a greater degree. Christ's table is open to you. And as the servers come, I hope that you not only meditate on the words that are being sung, but that you might come to know the love of God to a greater degree. The table is open.
drawing me closer to you when I've given up control that's when I know that you're drawing me closer to you table and you offer me a seat break your bread and drink your wine and dine in my family and I ain't gotta fight I ain't gotta fight no Drawing me closer to you And when I've given up control Well, that's when I'll know That you're drawing me closer to you And oh, my soul is stubborn, I know But you're Drawing me closer to you When I've given up control Well, that's when I know That you're drawing me closer to you Lord, my soul is weary Damn by the darkness, been washed in the light. On the night that Christ was betrayed, he gathered his disciples together and had a very common meal. And he took a piece of bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body, broken for you. Eat in remembrance of me. Likewise, he took a cup. And he gave it to his disciples, saying, this is the blood of the new covenant. For the forgiveness of sins. Drink. This is the mystery of faith, that Christ has come, Christ is with us, and Christ is coming again. As we leave this place, going on into the rest of our day and the rest of your um, goings-ons of the week, in the workplaces, in the classrooms, and the family dinner tables that you're going to inhabit, 
I pray that you come to know what it is to embody God's grace and love in those places and relationships. So go from this service knowing that you were loved by God, gathered together to embody that love to the rest of the world. Go in God's grace and peace. Thank you.